beautiful day, amen? amen. Now, I just want to testify right now. What's the Bible right? says in Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Anybody have any desires? Good desires, amen? If you delight yourself in the Lord, the Lord will give you good desires. And so if you delight yourself in him, he's saying he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen? So now, I had a couple desires. I mean, many desires, right? Good desires. Now, for you homeowners out there, you're going to understand my testimony. <laughs> I owe 26 years. You know, you get a mortgage, and you, uh, you're kind of tied into this mortgage for a long time. So I owe 26 years on my house. I'm stuck with that mortgage every month. Now, with the wisdom of God, I was able to refinance my house to 15 years, paying the same thing I was paying uh, before. For you guys who don't understand that, that means those 11 years I'm saving, I'm saving over $300,000. <laughs> That's awesome, which means I'm going to be able to pay off my house, God willing, before my kids even make it to high school, meaning I can save up for the college. So that's blessings, amen? And the biggest blessing, the desire of my heart, like some couples here, we had a, a miscarriage as well, me and my wife. But amen, and any day, even today, my wife could give birth, amen? We're going to have a baby. So we're going to have a baby pretty soon. So delight yourself in the Lord, amen? Enjoy his presence. Seek and put God first. Seek his kingdom first. Put his righteousness first. Delight yourself in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart, amen? Amen. We're just going to pray right now. Father God, we thank you for this church, and we thank you for every precious soul that you died on the cross for here. And we just pray that you would teach us to delight ourselves in you, that you will be our number one. You will be our everything, oh God, so that, Lord, you could just give us the desires of our heart so that you can receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands this morning. We're gonna sing this song. We sang it plenty of times in this house before. It's our last time here. Come on, listen and worship with a band. Come on. I'm gonna sing it out. I wanna scream. You are good to me, and I'll sing because you 
For our sins, we'll sing it again. I'll sing, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance. Oh, let us dance, let us shout. Oh, and I'll sing, sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout, shout aloud. Yes, you are good to me. One more time. You are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. Come give him some praise in this place. Come on, will someone praise him for his goodness this morning? Come on, offer him a praise right now with your voice. God, we'll sing it out to you, God, right now in this place. Holy Spirit. Come on. God, you've been so good to us. As a church, God, as a people, you have been so faithful, God. You've kept your word to us, even despite us, God. Despite us, you have remained faithful. Come on, somebody, would you just begin to praise God for his faithfulness to you despite you? Come on. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Give you highest praise, O God. Tell me. 
Would you just praise him because of his great love? Won't tell him this morning, you never cease to amaze me, God. You never cease to amaze us. Come on, lift up your voice in his place. Oh, come into our hearts. Bring life. Bring life. Bring the sun. Come on, tell. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, we surrender to you this morning. We surrender to your love. upon us Holy Spirit we thank you that you're the God of this church come on and we give you time right now to move to press upon our hearts your word what the father has to say to his children come speak to us this morning speak to our hearts feel led by the Lord to just share a word. Come, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit's very much involved in these times of worship, and He loves to speak to His people, and that He gives words. Come on. So just right now, just be used by the Spirit. If you feel the Lord just pressing, pressing up into your heart to share this morning.
church just worship. We thank you, Lord, for speaking. We worship you. Oh, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. Oh, we lift you up. We lift you up. Holy Spirit, we lift you up.
of our praise, God. You are worthy of our adoration. The Bible says in the book of Psalm to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, in the beauty of his holiness. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth. For those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So as we sing those words again unto Jesus this morning, I want you to focus on your Savior. Think about Jesus and who he is to you and what he's done in your life. In the book of Revelation, it says that his eyes burn like blazing fire that his sun is as bright as the sun in all of its brilliance. His feet are like bronze burning in the fire. That is the Jesus we are worshiping. He has a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he is coming back. He is coming back with a sword coming out of his mouth to rule and reign on the earth with his bride. That is the Jesus we worship. He is the one we serve. He is the one that is worthy of your life. Completely surrender. So as we sing this song again, I want you to declare these words over your life and over this city. Because this city needs to know the King of Kings, the one true God, the one who can save us, who has come to redeem us, from a life of sin. So let's sing that song again and I want you to worship the Jesus that I just depicted to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness this morning. Be lifted high in our lives, in our families, in the city, God. For your glory Jesus, 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory be unto your name. I want to transition our worship time into praying for this nation. If I can have all the elders and deacons of Metro Praise come up to the front. I want us to take our stand and make a declaration that our church will stand for righteousness. That as the presidential elections are upon us, they're about a month away, that God's plan, that his will for America will prevail. But as a church, we will raise our voice for the voiceless. We will raise our voice for the unborn. We will raise our voice against immorality in our nation because God's righteousness has got to prevail in America. There was an awesome woman of God. Her name is Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists that America has known in our lifetime. And she said that if God does not judge America, that he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. America is not a Christian nation. We do not stand upon Christian principles of holiness and the morality that God has given to us. We need to repent. Hallelujah. If you guys can just lift up your hands all across this room and close your eyes. Jesus, we need you in this country. We repent. We repent, God, of our sin. And we ask that you have mercy, God, on America. As we press through this next month, God, and we hit those voting polls, I pray, God, that your will would be done. That as your church, God, as the light into a dark place, that we would speak up, God, for righteousness. That we would stand up for those that are not born. And we would say no more in this country. That we will not allow the homosexual agenda to overtake our country. That as the church of Jesus Christ, you have put us here to represent your holiness. And I pray, God, that America would fall to her knees and repentance and worship you. The one true God. God have mercy. God have mercy. We need you, Jesus. We do not put our hope in man. One president alone will not save America. You save Jesus. You are the answer to all of our problems. Jesus. Berto, if you could come on up here and pray that the church of Jesus Christ would take its stand during this time, that we would take our place in history and push back the assignment of the enemy that has come against our generation. Oh, Father God, I believe that we're in a time, Lord, where the church of Jesus Christ needs to step out of the walls. Father God, we believe that we're in a time that we need to stand as the light that you call us to be, to stand as a salt God, to our families, to our jobs, God, to the communities, to the businesses, Lord, Father, I pray, Father, for a courage in the body of Christ and the saints, God, and the people, and the pastors, and the leaders, and the elders, and the deacons, and just a disciple, a follower, Father, God, that you impart the, the power, that you impart, God, the courage, Father, God, that we will get out of our shell, Father, God, and we will speak truth, we will speak righteousness, God, Father, God, that we will correct, Father, God, the, the, how our nations has gone 
Father God, astray, how we will, God, speak the truth, Father, and I pray, Father God, as the truth will prevail, Father God, that you will do the work that only the power of your spirit can do, God, that you will just break hearts, that you will open up eyes of the people of this nation, Father God, that the devil has blinded. I command every scale to be removed now in the name of Jesus Christ, and that the truth will shine through, and the word of God will be like a double-edged sword that will penetrate through the heart, through the soul. God, and through every spirit, Lord God, will be alive in Christ Jesus, and we will represent you, God, as God, as individuals, God. We represent you, Jesus, that we ought to be in Jesus' name, Father. Have your way with the church, O oh God. Have your way with the church, O oh Lord Jesus. Let us go out, Lord God. Let us encourage you to do what you call us to do so this nation can get back on its feet. God, so that the enemy would see, Lord God, that we're not a church, O oh Lord God, that would just back away. That we're not a church, that we're not a people, Lord God, that would just let the devil do what it's want to this nation that was established by your word, O oh God. Father, so we're here and we say, Use us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If it's not too difficult, if you could hold the hand of your neighbor and lift your hands up, we're going to sing this uh, song again, this verse, and now we're going to declare it over America. Jesus, be lifted high. Jesus, be glorified. Saturate our cities, all of our neighborhoods, God, every street corner, our high schools, our universities. Saturate us with your glory. Saturate us with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Be lifted high in America, oh God. good to see you this morning if you can turn with me to your in your Bibles please to Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 my name is Nancy Wyrostek I'm the one of the elders here at Metro Praise International and I'm gonna be preaching a message to you this morning called repent and be saved and as you turn to Proverbs 28, 13, I just want to let you know this morning that if it's your first time in a church 
if it's your first time being in an atmosphere like this, or if you at one point knew the Lord and you backslid, you turned your back on God, I want you to know that this message is for you this morning. So if everybody's at Proverbs 28, 13, can you say amen? The Bible says that he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We live in a day and age today where many preachers, a lot of the people in the church of America are afraid to use the word sin. They're afraid to use the word hell. The church in America today doesn't want to call the lost an unbeliever or sinner. They like to call them unchurched or seekers, all for the sake of not offending them so that they'll come back at the expense of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you this morning are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were made perfect. They were created by God and they were put into a perfect garden and God told them, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you do, you will surely die. When they disobeyed God that day, they did not become unchurched. They did not become seekers. They became sinners and enemies of God. Jesus was not afraid to call people out on their sin. He didn't come to win a popularity contest or to establish a religion. He came to die a gruesome, bloody death on the cross so that you could be saved from your sin, so that he could redeem mankind, so that whosoever will would come would come to him and be saved and repent and turn away from their sin. He came to die for the sins of the world so that we could be reconciled to God in relationship. If you are here this morning and you've never heard a message like this, I want to let you know that God desires an intimate relationship with you. It is your sin, however, that will separate you from God that keeps you separated from God. And it is only the blood of Jesus that will cover your sin, wash you clean if you let it, and bridge the gap that divides you from God. In John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How many free people do I have in this place this morning? I want to tell you that the gospel offends people who live in disobedience to God. Those who live against the commands of the Lord, it offends them, it bothers them, because many of them do not want to change and turn from their evil ways. I want you to check your heart this morning. Are you that person? Do you get offended when preachers preach the gospel and they call sin, sin? And we say that sinners who don't repent will spend eternity in hell. Does that offend you? Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 18. Say she's keeping it real. It's tight, but it's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible calls people foolish in the scriptures as well. He says, he who says in his heart that there is no God is a fool. If you are in disobedience to the commands of God this morning, I pray that you humble yourself before a holy God. And as we read, according to the passage of Proverbs 28, 13, number one, two things I want you to walk away with this morning. Number one, don't hide your sin. Don't hide your sin. Confess it to the Lord, and that is number two. So number one, don't hide your sin. Don't keep it a secret because there's no secrets with Jesus. He knows everything. You can fool yourself. The Bible says the heart is deceptive. It is wicked. It is wicked beyond all things. Number two, repent. Confess your sin. Renounce your sin so that you can find mercy. That's what Proverbs is saying. If you hide it, if you conceal your sin, you will not find the mercy of the Lord. But if you repent, if you renounce your sin, you will find mercy and ask Jesus to save you. The word renounce means to give up or to disown. You have to be at a place where you are willing to give up, to turn away from your sin, the sin that breaks the heart of God because there is forgiveness and mercy for you if you come to Jesus. Please understand that you cannot save yourself. You cannot go and try to be perfect first and then clean the house and say, okay, now I'm perfect, Jesus. Please forgive me and help me to be a Christian. No, you come as you are with your mess and everything. And you come to Jesus, the one who can save you and give you the power to overcome the evil and temptation. Acts 4, verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Hallelujah, Jesus, we thank you. If you can stand up to your feet with me. The Bible says that it is his loving kindness that draws us to, the, to repentance. It is his loving kindness that draws sinners to repent. The loving kindness of Jesus is in this room today. And he is calling on you. He is beckoning you to come. That whosoever will would come. It doesn't matter if this is your first time hearing a message like this or your 101st time. If you are in sin, you must repent. Get your life right with God and live in his righteousness. Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to transition into declaring our confession of faith together as a church, as a body of Christ. And if you have been convicted from the message that I just preached and God is tugging on your heart, to come to him, to find mercy, to repent of your sin. I challenge you to be obedient to the Lord. I plead with you to be obedient to God's commands, to get right with the holy God. In the back, we have our life group leaders, Monica and David Montez, who are going to be there to pray for you if you need prayer to get right with God, if you want to confess your sin and be saved. And also, if you've been coming for a short time or for a long time and you want to get plugged into our discipleship, we believe in discipleship very strongly in this church. So please ask them. Go to them and ask them all the questions you have about them and find out how you could get plugged in. Amen? Amen. So on the count of three, we're going to repeat this out loud together. One, two, 
3. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Again, one more time, if you have got to get your right life with Jesus, speak to our life group leaders. You need to get discipled, mentored, plug into our life group. Please go back there and speak to them. Let's pray together before we release uh, the greeting time. Jesus, we thank you for your mighty, mighty power and presence in this place. We thank you that it is your loving kindness that leads us to, re to repent, God. And I just pray that you lead those that you are touching on their hearts, those that are not right with you, whether they've never heard the gospel message before, they're backslidden, or they say that they're a Christian, but they've been living in sin. I pray that today is the day that they become free, that you would set them free, God, that they would not hide anymore, but they would repent and come to you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that your word prevails. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you guys walk around the church, greet somebody that you don't know this morning.
welcome to Metro Praise. Take a few more moments to greet somebody else. We're just getting this party started. We're so glad that you are here this morning. Come on, don't get quiet on me when that music gets quiet. Come on, just talk to each other for a few more moments. Let's not be awkward. Let's not be awkward. Look to your neighbor. Tell them something good. Come on, tell them something good. Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them God has a plan for their life. Take a few more seconds. Tell somebody that you're happy they're here. Come on. God is good. Amen. You're expecting so awesome. We may have it today. You never know. You never could. It could happen today. Ricky's ready. Are you ready? Amen. All right, let's get started. Everybody say amen. See, we believe in fellowship here. See, that time of fellowship is just as important as the time of preaching. Do you all believe that? Can you say amen? Amen. So we're so glad you're here. We welcome you to Metro Praise International. If you are visiting with us today, you came on the best day possible because you get to watch us transition to a new location today. We served in this place for two years. Amen. We served in this place for two years, and we're moving today to a new location on Diversity and Long. We're calling it the Reese Park Campus. And so we want you to help us to move today at 3 o'clock. Now, is there any excited movers here today? All right. Come on. It's really exciting. If you haven't been by the area, it's awesome. The, the facility is top-notch. So we want you to know starting next week, uh, we or this week, we're going to be meeting there at the new location, okay? So Sunday's at 10 a.m., Wednesday's at 7 p.m., and Friday, elevate. Come on at 7.30. Now, we got flyers. We're calling it Relaunch. We want to put these in your hand. It says the address right there. You can go to our website and MapQuest it. Uh, Sister Monica has been working hard on the website. She's going to make sure before she leaves today that the new Reese Park Campus website is up and running. So you guys will get all the details you want from the Reese Park Campus website. Can I get an amen? Thank you. So she's been doing awesome with all of that. So we'll just help us move move today and then let's just keep going over there and you guys are going to like it so god has been doing some awesome things uh today we're going to be doing the truth project got a guest speaker pastor chris in the back everybody go woo woo come on glad you're here my brother he's going to be discussing all about that and you're getting a flyer in your hand these are going to be the lessons we're going to be doing in our life groups for october november and december they're made by focus on the family they go through 12 lessons of a worldview answering all kinds of questions about god and science and truth and society and government and uh, understanding who god is it's just going to bless your life we're going to talk about that more but that's what's up and uh, you can see all those lessons on the back of your announcements as well and then next week we're going to start a new series everybody say cloud of witnesses Thank you. We finished off going through Colossians uh, this month. We went through it verse by verse. And uh, a lot of people notice I love the New Testament. I stay in the New Testament a lot uh, because we're in the New Covenant. But I'm not neglecting what God did in the past. Can I hear an amen? So I'm not only New Testament. So some of you all have been waiting for some Old Testament stories and just be blessed by the saints. This is a series for you. And even if you already know these stories, I promise you it's going to encourage you because there's a cloud of witnesses 
as the Bible says in heaven that have already gone past this earth, have already lived out their life, and they're like in the grandstands right now, and they're watching you and I to see what we're going to do for Jesus. And so we can learn from their example and live like them. We can uh, learn about the faith of Abraham, October 7th, uh, the humility of Moses, October 14th, the 21st, the worship of David, and uh, the 28th, the prayers of Jeremiah. How many want to live like some of these folks right here? Can I get an amen? So come on out. Bring your friends. It's going to be just an inductive study. You're going to learn about their lives, uh, their successes, their failures, and how they kept going for God. And I guarantee you, you will walk out of those services changed knowing that you can live for God. Can I get another amen? Amen. This is the vision, discipleship strategy, and goal of Metro Praise International. We want you to join with us. We are loving God and loving people as our vision. Our discipleship strategy is to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And our goal is to raise up 100,000 disciples here with 50 churches and 500 around the world. And when you see this Reese Park campus today, I want you to think to yourself, making 50 of those around this city. It is the perfect size for this congregation with the children in office area and literally we want to put one on Fullerton then put one on North Avenue then put one on Armitage and blow this city up for Jesus our vision come on somebody comes from the words of Jesus love God with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself that's what Jesus said somebody say that's what he said Amen. The discipleship strategy, connect, mentor, send, comes from Jesus. He said to his disciples, now you go out and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here's what makes Metro Praise unique is how we operate in that strategy. The first part of connect is life groups. Getting involved in a weekly home Bible study that meets throughout the week. Is anybody excited about life groups today? Can you all make some noise? Come on. Life groups are where the truth project is going to be, but they're always meeting every week with food, fun, and fellowship, prayer time, Bible study. They don't last very long unless you want to have an after party. I heard Montez had an after party at his group. Amen. Come on. You know, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. One more time, say there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. See, you were supposed to drop it like it's hot right there. Where's that 808, dude? Help him. Will you help him? Sometimes I just got to turn this guy loose. Boom. All right. Next time. Next time. Mentorship while you're in that life group. Somebody say mentor. Thank you. While you are in that life group, somebody will mentor you with our one-on-one discipleship book. This is called our 101. It's 101, the first phase, and it's done one-on-one. That means no matter who you are, how big our church ever gets, you will always have a mentor spend one-on-one time with you. And when you graduate from that, you get to the 201, and you get to do the sending phase, which is evangelism, meets 10 times throughout the week, sometimes before life group, sometimes before youth group, and God is saving and touching lives. And let me just give you a testimony. This isn't new to us here. I used to do this in New Orleans and New Orleans is a very tough place to be if you've ever been there. A lot of drugs and alcohol and uh, it's just, you know, a place that's impoverished. A lot of people are suffering and I used to bring in homeless people into my house as I started ministry there because that's where I went to Bible college and I brought in over 30 homeless people and one of the homeless people I brought into my house, his name was Abraham. He came with another guy, Mike, and I preached the gospel to him. Well, long story short, now through SUM Bible College, they have co 
four uh, campuses all over the country. It's where I went, and now they establish them in churches. One of the students that I taught, his name is Alvin. He works at his church. He said today, he put it on my Facebook, today, which was yesterday, while witnessing and praying for homeless people under the interstate overpass in NOLA, I talked to a man and asked him what about Jesus and what he said to me was about what do you know about Jesus and he said to me 12 years ago he had a person in his life named Joe who used to do the same thing we're doing now in the projects and brought me into his house as we talked further we figured out it was the same Joe as you not sure if you remember him or not but his name is Abraham and he definitely needs prayer you see the gospel witness still is there today on the streets of New Orleans that was over 12 years ago can I hear an amen now, obviously, this dude needs to get off the streets, though. Amen. He's been 12 years on the streets. He's struggling. But he won't be able to say he didn't know better. And that's why we go out evangelizing and share our faith because we want to let this world know about Jesus. And we believe if we love God and love people, we connect, mentor, and send in discipleship, we will reach that goal of 100,000 with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can you say, let's do it? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And here's how you partner with us. So excited that at this time in our church, our budget is matching what we're doing. And we just ask you to come alongside of us to help out tithes and offerings. Can somebody say tithes and offerings? Thank you. This is what the Bible says. Not a slick-haired preacher. This is what the Bible says. When we give 10% of our total income called a tithe, he blesses us. He opens up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon our life. We don't do it to get back. We don't give to get. But there is a covenant we come into with God when we become tithers. And so I would ask you to consider tithing to this church if this is your church. If this is not your church, I would ask you to tithe wherever you call that your church. Because we believe that churches are supported by the people. Can I hear an amen? And then an offering is above that tithe. When you say, Lord, I've, I've worked hard and I've given you 10% which belongs to you. And now this 90% you say belongs to me and I can steward it to my family, to hobbies or to you know my future and investing. What do you want me to do with it? I believe if you will pray, he can give you opportunities to give extra. And the way we give extra here is to our building fund. You'll see some things we'll need at that building as we grow there. And then we give to missions. Our heart has always been for missions here. We're in a fundraising phase for the next three years to raise $100,000 so we can send out four couples onto the mission field in three years and pay for them for the first year of ministry to establish them. We are setting that plan today. We have prior to this overseen over 200 churches, giving them books, supplies, motorcycles in places like India, Pakistan, the Philippines. And so we ask you to consider with that 90%, instead of giving it to Starbucks, you know, and always giving it to McDonald's, whatever, would you put something extra towards the building to continue to beautify what we do here and to touch the world? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as uh, we prepare to give this morning? We are a pretty hip church here. We have online giving options for you as well. You can see that on our website at mpichurch.org. Also, all of our books are there for free. All of our messages are for free. Just everything given away as we have been uh, freely given by the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today uh, for a church, Lord, that's built upon your people. It's not built by a denomination, though there's nothing wrong with that. God, it's not built by a couple... Uh, well-to-do people, God, it's built by a lot of hardworking people that make sacrifices. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you, Lord, for bringing them here this morning. Lord, we have uh, 
been in the, the deepest part of this recession with our people. We started seven years ago. Uh, and they say the recession started right around that same time. And, Lord, I've gone through the ups and downs with families here. But, Lord, I've never seen you forsake them. Oh, God, you've always provided. God, and I just thank you for that. Would you just take a few moments just to thank him? I know so many of you, you got much more higher bills than you do coming in. Some of you are going through hard times. But would you thank him for what he's done? He's been faithful. It's not the first time God's people have suffered a drought. But he's providing. He's providing. Lord, and now we just ask you to bless us, to be a blessing. You said in your word to Abraham that you would make him rich and prosperous so that he could be a blessing to the nations. Lord, I pray that you will, God, just give opportunities to those here. Uh, Lord, somebody has to start a retail store. Somebody has to uh, sell a product. Somebody has to fix a building. Lord, I pray that the businesses, the people represented here and the companies they work for, that you'll favor those. Somebody will get a promotion to take on new responsibilities. I pray you'll favor those here. Uh, God, somebody's young person will receive a grant, a loan, a scholarship to college. I pray that happens here. And what you do here in a small sense in this building, would you do in a larger sense throughout our city and throughout our nation, God, as we bless you, would you bless us? God, would you bless America? For it's you we put our trust in. It's you. We put our trust in you, God. And Lord, I now pray for the nations that we would be sensitive to what's going on in Libya and Egypt and the Muslim world. We would be sensitive, God, to the oppression of North Korea and those here that suffer. And God, when we give to missions, that we would know that we're doing our part to help those who have no one speaking on their behalf. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you're doing here in us and through us and around the world. In Jesus' name, and can somebody say amen? Amen. You came to a church that believes we're changing the world. Can I hear another amen? Amen. Let's say what Jesus said. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. One, two, three. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Will you come rejoicing? as you give. Thank you so much. God bless you. And I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good Yes, you are good to me and I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good Yes, you are good to me Awesome. Will you give the band a hand clap this morning for rocking it out? Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here this morning one more time. Come on, we're glad you're here. If I don't get to personally shake your hand, I just want to tell you I'm glad you're here this morning. Pastor Chris Gonzalez, all the way from Oakland, uh, California. Would you give him a hand clap as he comes? Come on, Pastor Chris. You can set your stuff up here. And... Pastor Chris, I want to just interview you just for a few moments uh, before uh, we have you preach. He wasn't ready for that, but that's what I like to do. Would you get us another microphone, uh, Brother Chris, in the back? Um, let's use the wireless one. It'll look cooler. Thank you, though, Adam. Appreciate that. Ghetto. That's okay, at least he tried. Dito tried. Pastor Chris, I said Oakland, but are you really uh are you really from Oakland? Let's wait for that. We're gonna try that again. I'm not. Okay, where are you from, dude? 
I'm uh, originally from Brooklyn, New York. Amen. I want you to uh, stay seated and feel comfortable. Are you comfortable? I'm comfortable. I'm ready. You know what it is? Yes. You have been so good to me these past couple of days, and your people have been so good taking oh, me out to God. eat. And I feel like I've gained about five pounds, and I'm yes. on camera right now. Yes. So, like, I'm trying to sit. Yes, in you a come way. looking like me. Get got, some muscle. You're going to get some muscle, dude. I'm like, I got two deep dish pizzas that late night deep dish I'm a little it. I'm a little afraid right now I'm on camera they say yeah. it adds 20 pounds to you I don't even know what to do right now you go to Johnny's like you get a, you get a Polish you go to you go to Jimmy or you go to Jimmy's you get a Polish you go to Johnny's you get a beef you'll be all right you know, we're, we're, we're in church I don't know what you mean by that but we're at church yeah. let's let's okay, okay. So praise we'll God so born and raised where where were you born Brooklyn raised? New York awesome and uh, tell us real quick about how you ended up at Bible College in uh, New Orleans and how God just really saved your life and put you in ministry um, all right well the nutshell story is when I was uh, 12 I had a, a really strong encounter with the Lord um, at a Bronx revival service with an African pastor about two weeks later I, I backslid afterwards and uh, long story short eight years later I find myself I'm on a plane ride down to New Orleans to, to help after Katrina relief and just to kind of serve and do some stuff. And the Lord speaks to me while I'm on the plane, and, and he says, son, I've kept my side of the deal. Now will you keep yours? And, and it relate to a prayer that I had prayed after I would gotten jumped in the Bronx, and I was pretty messed up. I had to get seven stitches in my top lip, five in my bottom because my tooth went through my lip. This was split open. And I said, God, I mean, I'll you know, pretty boy, real prideful, that whole kind of thing. So I said, God, if you're real and you exist, I mean, I was jacked up. I, mean, I was eating applesauce through a straw because that's all I could, that's all I could get in there. And uh, I said, God, if you're real and you exist and I have a, a, a promise, you know, that's, that's been prophesied over my life, get me out of this. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Fast forward on the plane ride down, says, son, I've kept my side of the deal. Now, are you going to keep yours? I said, yes. My cousins put me in Bible college, SUM Bible college the very next day. Um, so that's where I got it. That's where I got equipped. And then Amen. from there, it's been one long journey till I'm here. Yeah. So you, you were in the New Orleans campus where I went to. Yes. And then you went to Oakland because of Katrina and all that yes. had to happen there. Right. And by the way, when Katrina happened in New Orleans, they turned that campus into a relief center. Yes. And then they came up with the idea of the cohort model, which we now have. And we have a cohort here where when they said, well, what do we do when a thing like this happens and we don't have a facility? Well, let's do it online. And, you know, as they develop this whole thing they said well why don't we now put it in churches all across the country yeah. so now SUM Bible College has accredited Bible uh, school training in, in, in uh, places all across the country and uh, across the world so then you went to Oakland they Californiaized you because yes. I don't know did they dress like this in New York um, what is going the on hipsters do but uh Adam, where like is Adam be, at like, like dude what is this up like with you guys man this comb over <laughs> Can, you know <laughs> Well, you know, I can't make fun of you guys too much, you know, because, I mean, I, what's hip now is what they used to call Urkel back then, the nerd, right? And, and yeah, and then I'll tease myself, you know, because I'm the Shrek up here, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, definitely not the pretty boy. But now what is cool with the spiky hair and all this was once the big boy in front of the restaurant. You remember the big boy, yeah, the little swoop? The burger. I think with some of you got lost on that. Yeah, you, you know what burger. I'm talking about. You yeah, felt, I got you. Just Google it, kids, when you go home. Big boy. The original Big Mac. Exactly. Where the Big Mac came from. That's it. Dude, see, come on. So then uh, Oakland to where? To, to Fuller? To L.A., where I went is, to Fuller and I got my master's. Let's give it up for a guy that got his master's degree. Come on. Praise God. From the hood, and it's all good, and I'm going to get out of your way here in just a second and turn you loose. Or as Pastor Nancy said, it's tight, but it's right. Yeah. I like that. Wait, Pastor heard Nancy that. in the house? 
Oh, no, she stepped See, down. you didn't have down. Professor Sutherland around very much when you were there, because that's where I got that from, was uh, back in New Orleans days, baby. Uh-huh. He did yeah. teach me for a year. And then he would say, amen, walls. Amen, yeah. When nobody would say amen. Right, amen, right. Walls. And he said, if my flush, I don't trust my flush, and I sure don't trust your flush. Hey. <laughs> it's tight, but it's right. It's tight, but it's right. Uh, so you go to Fuller, which we know they love Jesus, but maybe not in ways like we would love Jesus. They're a little liberal over there. It can be a little weirdy. Correct. And, of course, that didn't affect you in any way. At we all. That didn't affect you. You're not weird. Uh, but what, what have you been doing since Fuller graduation and, and all the good stuff going on? Uh, since Fuller graduation, the Lord opened some amazing doors. Um, I've actually moved up to Sacramento where we launched a, a young professional's church plant. Um, since then, we've, I've also taken over a youth group. And, uh, and now I work for an organization called the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference where we oversee a network of 40,118 churches. And we resource these churches. Our, our primary um, job or, or you know, vision goal is to resource the, the churches, to equip and empower the, the churches of America with resources to, to further the gospel and the kingdom. Amen. Now, you have this lofty position overseeing 40,000 churches. He's working with the main guy like this, you know, like you're like the youth director, right? I'm, I'm the youth director. I'm also the partnership director. So I oversee our, our youth movement that we're uh, getting ready to launch. Of the 40,000 churches. And then, um, and then I oversee... 23 partnerships which is huge which is a big deal and we would want a hand clap for that except he's dating the daughter of the guy who's in charge of all of that so i think that's where your looks took you to a place where guys like me don't go you understand what i'm saying like i i like nancy had mercy on me and she she loved me for as i was you know took me as i am but you're in a relationship. Is it is it dating? Is it engaged? Are you we, hoping? We're, we're dating and okay. so probably soon to be engaged. Amen. Amen. And then uh, today, the Truth Project. So you you work predominantly with Latino churches, 40,000 of them, that, that you're resourcing materials to. Pastor Choco de Jesus in uh, New Life Covenant here in Chicago is actually on the, one of the board members of that organization that your pastor is the president of. That's awesome. You're dating this daughter. That's why you're sitting in those meetings. No, I'm just kidding. But you're awesome. Just tease you a little Favor bit. ain't fair, baby. Favor ain't oh, fair. Oh, I ain't going to hate, but I'm going to celebrate. Let's go. Amen. Let's go. Truth Project, focus on the family. They're getting these materials out. Before we let you preach about truth and all these things, what uh, should the congregation be excited about in the next three months going to these life groups and really getting into these lessons? Well, your life is going to be revolutionized. The, the product itself, it, it's more than just a product. It's more than just a resource. It's a, it's a life-transforming, applicable teaching based from the Word of God that's going to transform your life, that's going to make you into a greater disciple, that's going to give you a greater understanding of the, of the Word, and it's going to give you a greater understanding of how to live your life based on the Word's principles in the world that you currently live in. So in other words, it's going to completely shift your theological worldview and the way that you look at the world, the way that you look at people, the way that you look at everything. Just get ready for, for a transformation. Amen. And we're giving everybody here, we're giving you all a week in advance, okay? So this week's life group is not going to be the Truth Project. It is going to be after next Sunday, the 7th, then it will be starting. So what we want you to do this week is be inspired by the message our brother brings today. Go to the website, truthproject.org, start watching the videos, start thinking and praying about people you know that have questions about this. As you look on the back of the flyer, there's going to be specific lessons on on very uh, important topics going on today, and we want you to start 
start praying to inviting people to those specific lessons. Is anybody with me? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Chris as he get ready to drop it like it's hot. Wow. Thank Are you playing games with me? Am I on? <laughs> Are you messing with me right now? Can I at least get myself in the monitors? So you could act like I'm like people are listening to me. I can at least think. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Check. I feel like I'm not even on. It's kind of weird. Anyways, first, uh, before I get into the message today, I just wanna. Um, I really just wanna give a thank you. I'm not gonna sit down because I f honestly feel bloated, okay? <laughs> and I feel like I'm fat, <laughs> okay? So I'm not gonna sit down on this chair right here. I'll, we're going to get into that in a second. Chicago will mess you up, okay? But I want to thank P. Joe. Um, and I honestly, and, I, and, and this, isn't, this isn't hyperbole. This isn't rhetoric. This isn't, you know, uh, something that I say everywhere that I go. But uh, I've had the, the honor of, of being with your pastor the last two days. And um, it's, it was truly an honor. Uh, his honesty his integrity, and his, uh, his uncompromising stature to not only the word of God, but the vision that God has given him has completely blown me away. And I, and I, and I honestly say this. You could watch some of my other preachings and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't say things like this, but honestly, P. Joe, and I told you this in person, you have shown me something in the last two days that when I walk away from here, I'm saying, God, when I begin to walk in the fullness of my destiny, when I begin to walk in what you've called me to, I want to exhibit that. God, allow me, if nothing else, to have that uncompromising call to what you've called me to, the vision that you've placed on my heart. I don't care what everybody else is doing around me. I don't care what my circumstances dictate. I am not compromising what you've called me to. So you... You, you, you have an amazing, outstanding pastor who loves God, who walks in integrity, who lives in holiness. And, and, and I, I mean, it's an honor. I know that I'm leaving this trip. And, and look, I, I ask a lot of questions. Uh, you know, I, I may be sometimes maybe too smart for my own good. But, but P. Joe and his grace and his understanding has noticed that, that my questions always come a little loaded. Okay, but he's... He's looked past that, and, and he's given me straight, direct answers, never compromised, and he's blessed me. So I know that when I leave here, when I leave from Chicago, I may have given you 50 Truth Project DVDs. I may be preaching your sermon and, you know, whatever else, but I know that I'm leaving Chicago with more than I could have ever given you. So I just want to say thank you, P. Joe, for, for this. I, I really, really appreciate you, Pastor. I, I really, really do. And uh, Pastor Nancy, that woman can preach. I'm actually a little insecure right now that I have to follow what she did. I'm like, I don't know I'm about to do that. Okay, I even took a note. Okay, it's tight, but it's right. I'm going to put that in my next sermon. I might even try to use it today. Okay, I've already used it twice. I might throw it in there one more time. I might just sprinkle it. But, man, first of all, I felt the conviction of the Lord because, you know, Fuller messed me up a little bit. I like to call people unchurched, you know, pre-Christians and stuff like that. And she's giving the gospel message and it's like, oh, do I need to get saved again? You know, <laughs> no, God, I got to bring the word. I'm, that's a lie. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and, and the amazing thing is that the gospel message was I told Pedro, I, I had to nudge him and say, man, it's amazing that she's coming hard. She's coming direct. 
but you could literally sense the love and the grace of God. And didn't I tell you that, PJ, on the back? I, I, I said, man, I, I could feel the love coming from that gospel message right there. Like, if I wasn't saved, I would have got saved. You know what I'm saying? Like, plus the anointing and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was all good. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, while I was sitting back there, Pastor Joe had begun to share some of his predictions with me of, of what he saw with the move and everything that God is doing and stuff like that. And it really just kind of hit me. And then immediately the Lord, may I release a word, Pastor Joe? Do I have the, 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 uh, the, the permission? Uh, and, and a word just kind of hit my heart there. I kind of checked into the spiritual real quick because I felt the Lord speaking to me. So you don't have to turn there, but I, I, I believe every prophetic word must come from the scripture. And I, I'm not legalistic about it, but, but I believe that whatever word you give has to be scripturally based. And so I just want to release a word. This is over the house that I've. Uh, according to what God is doing, and, and there's the move, and there's different things like that, and it comes from John 18 and, and chapter 10, and this is going to transition us into to what we're going to teach today, but uh, John 18 and 10, you don't have to turn there, and let me contextualize it, most of you know this, this scripture, and uh, you know that Jesus, he just did his high priestly prayer, and he prays this amazing prayer, and, and, and Judas comes out to meet him, and Judas comes out, and, and he gives him a kiss on the cheek, and, and when you read in, in, in the book of Matthew, he says, I mean, this, this will blow you away, he knows Judas is coming to betray him, and, and, and Judas even gives him the, the kiss of betrayal, and excuse me, and, and he says, friend, do what you've come to do. And so they come and they and, and these men and they comes with an entourage and they're coming to, to take Jesus. And, and in the midst of it, John tells us, John is the only one who tells us this. And he he rants on Peter all the time. But that's that's a sermon for another day. And he says in verse 10, Simon Peter, then having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter. Put the, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? And then when you read the other three uh, uh, gospel translations, it says that Jesus took the ear and, and he put it back on uh, uh, the high priest. Now, now this, this really baffled me because if you know scripture and, and you read the Old Testament, you, you would know that uh, anybody who touched the, the high priest, anybody who struck the, either the high priest or even the servant of the high priest well, was commanded to be put to death. So, so Peter, having drawn his sword and, and striking off the ear of the high priest, was, was good enough for them to put Peter to death. But, but what Jesus does in the midst of that is he picks up the ear and, and he puts it back on. And, and, and so when, when Jesus did that, they, they had no evidence that, that they could prosecute him with an and the word that God gave me for the house today, uh, just to release in that one moment, he said he's about to fix it like it never happened. You didn't, you didn't get that, okay? I can tell it's going to be one of these days today. Man, P. Joe, this is what you got to deal with, huh? All right. See, see. Other people would look at what's going on now and think that it was the destruction of the church. Other people would look and say that this, this, this should be the death and the cause of the church. But, but what God says is that he's about to fix this situation like it's never happened. And so the word over the church today is you're about to, this, everything that's going on right now, it's, when you look back in the rearview mirror, it's going to be like it never happened. When you go to Reese Park, you're going to reach more souls. You're, you're, you're going to impact more communities 
God's about to fix this like it never happened. So, so the word over you, over this house today that you get to move forward with is even in the midst of this transition is, God, this is going to be like it never happened. Look at somebody and say like it never happened. Praise God. I still don't even know how I'm preaching after Pastor Nancy. God, help me. I need that anointing. Just come lay hands on me, Pastor Nancy. Release the anointing. So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to two places. One in John chapter 18 where you're already at. And the other one is uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. I am going to uniquely tie these two scriptures together. And um, by the way, my man right here with the purple pants, I'm glad I didn't wear my purple pants today because I would have made you go home and change. Okay, but we're good because I got the green ones. You got the purple ones. We're good to go. Okay, so uh, everybody there, you got it. We're in John 18 and we're in Second Kings chapter four. And uh, we're going to talk about truth. By the way, my man, Salman in the back. Thank you for not having my picture up there. Really appreciate that. Really awkward. Um, I never get used to that kind of stuff, by the way. I don't know if I ever will. So. Let me, uh, allow me just to, to contextualize. We, we already went up to Jesus cutting off, uh, restoring the ear. And then he goes and he stands before Pilate. And, and, and now, now look at this. It says, it says in verse 29 that, uh, or 28 that, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium and, and it was early and they, they themselves did not enter the praetorium so that they would not be defiled but they, they would eat the Passover and, and what's interesting is that they, they, they didn't want to enter so they would be defiled but they send in the, the, the lamb that was to be slain, the, the lamb, the eternal Passover lamb and they send him over to be crucified but, but they didn't want to partake of that lamb, they wanted to partake of a fleshly lamb so that's a sermon for another day, Let, some of you may have caught that, some of you may have not but you know, uh, and then they just go. And so Pilate goes in and he talks to the Jews and, and the Jews say, we can't go in there. And, and, and but, but that man needs to be crucified because, because he's the king. And so, so Pilate comes back in and, and, and in, uh, verse 33, Pilate enters again into the praetorium. He summons Jesus and he said to them, and he said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your, your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. And, and therefore, Pilate said to him, so, so you're a king, right? And, and Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? And so we, we John paints this, this beautiful picture of, of Pilate and, 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 and Jesus and, and the Jews of the time. And, and here Pilate is and, and he stands before Jesus, the same Jesus who earlier in the book of John says, in John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And, and, and then we also know from John chapter 1 that it says so, that, that in the beginning was the word. And so Christ was the word, so the word is truth and Jesus is truth, so Jesus is the word. And, and, and Pilate stands before truth. He looks truth in the eyes. 
He's staring it. And, and Jesus practically preached the gospel message to him, saying, I am a king and I'm not of this world. And so he looks into the eyes of truth. He looks into the very eyes of truth and says, what is truth? What is truth? And little did he know that as he went out and he asked the people, what would you have me do? And they said, crucify him. And Pilate goes ahead and crucifies him. See, he thought that the man who said was truth, the man that he, he thought was, 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 was supposed to be this king, the man that, that he thought that, that had declared all these things about himself had now gone to die. He was dead. His teachings were dead. Truth was dead. But little did he know that there was a promise attached to that truth. And what you have to understand about the truth and what you have to understand about the word is that the word always comes with a promise. Look at your neighbor and say promise. See, when, 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 when he was looking at Jesus and, and when he had him crucified, he did not know that Jesus came with a promise. He did not know that by killing him, a promise was attached to him that he wouldn't stay down. He wouldn't stay dead. As a matter of fact, that was as it was written in the scriptures, he was supposed to die, but he was also supposed to rise so that we could have eternal life, so that our sins could be washed away. So little did he know that in his actions and, and in his search for truth he activated a promise so when we look at scripture and when we we look at truth and we look at the truth and and we live in a world that's so antithetical to the to the truth that that we're supposed to live it's so contrary it it, it denies it it fights it, it it pushes it to the side it casts it away it laughs in its face it mocks it it says there are many truths and there are many ways and it says all these things we have to stand firm as christians and say that there is one truth because it's attached to a promise it's a promise that you're restored to god it's a promise that you're washed of your sins and it's a promise that you're going to have eternal life even when all this is gone they could take away your house they could take away your car they could take away your job they could take away your family but they can never take away your truth so what do we do how do we live in this world when we have a promise from god and sometimes we feel like those promises are taken away we have the truth and the truth sets us free. But we and we have a promise. But we still feel like we're in bondage. And there are those times when it looks like the promise just falls through our fingers. And we even hold that promise for for a temporary time. And we hold the word and we hold the truth. And it just falls through our hands like sand. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Because I believe this scripture ties in to truth and to promise. And to why it's important that we activate God's truth in our life. That we hold on to God's truth.
that we walk in God's truth so that we could activate his promises, live out his promises, and allow a world to see his promises rest upon us. And that is exactly what the Truth Project is all about. The Truth Project is about establishing truth in your life when it comes to the government, when it comes to economics, when it comes to politics, when it, when it comes to community, when it comes to science. What, what do you do when, when the world, what do you do when your circumstances are contrary to what the truth says about you than what the truth says about your circumstances? What, what do you do in the midst of all of that? And, and, and the, the thing is that now we're going to see in this, in this scripture is that we're going to see how the, how, how the Shunammite woman holds on to truth even when her circumstances dictate otherwise let's look at second Kings chapter 4 starting at verse 18 for the sake of time wow would you look at that I'm on California time still so I got a whole lot of time to preach I didn't adjust it that's of the Lord my God my God allow me because I know some of you are thinking about hibaritos or deep dish pizza I know I got you all hungry it's Sunday you know what I'm saying? You ready to grub. You probably got food already in the oven. You know what I'm saying? So that when you get home, all you got to do is pull it out. And you're like a uh, preacher with the big glasses and the button-ups. Can you hurry up, please? I'm trying to get back to my food. You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to summarize. I'm just going to contextualize the script. And, uh, and we're going to move forward. So in, in 2 Kings chapter, chapter 18, we, we hear the story of Elisha. And, and, and it's an amazing story because Elisha's with his servant Gehazi and, and Elisha would travel. And so Elisha was traveling through Shunem and, and he comes to this widow's house and, and, and the widow uh, uh, would said, hey, why don't you come get some food? Uh, allow me to feed you. Allow me to bless you. Allow me, allow me to pour into your life. And so Elisha was like, sure. And you know what? To be honest, I'm the same way. Like I, I told P. Joe, you put food in my stomach, I'll raise the dead. You just tell me what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's like a correlation with me and Elisha right here. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I'm just saying like, you know, amazing things happen when you feed a man of God. And so you will automatically activate certain promises upon your life. I'm just, I'm just saying, hint, hint, wink, wink. Who's taking us out to dinner afterwards? So, so, uh, so anyways, uh, you know, so she goes to Shunem, and uh, he goes to Shunem, and she feeds him, and you know what I'm saying? And, and like any man of God, he understands that the blessing of the Lord resides there. So, so he takes detours, and he keeps going back into that area, and he keeps getting fed. You know, it's like a, it's a good place to go. It's like grandma's house. You always know when you go there, there's going to be food there. I comida ahí. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's there, you know? And so you, you go to Abuela's house, and, and there's food, and then gloria a Dios. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the blessing of the Lord. And so, so, so he keeps going there, and she says, wow, like he's coming here a lot. So, so so she goes, honey, honey, baby, why, why don't we, uh, why don't we like build him a, a, a room up there and, and we'll put a bed, a table, a chair and, and a lamp in there for him so that when he comes here, he'll have a place to stay. And her husband's like, yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. Right. Like a good husband. And, um, and so then she's like, okay, woo. And she goes and she builds him the room. And so, you know, he comes in and he's in the room now. Right. And, 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 and. And he's in the room, and, and he just starts to feel, man, this woman has done so much for me. What, 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 can, we, what can we do for her? And so, and so uh, beginning at uh, verse 25 and, and part B, he says, when the, um, no, that's not where it's at. Uh, 
sorry, let's back up a little bit. Right here. Uh, in verse 13, uh, he gets there and he says, man, we got to do something for her. And so he says to, he, he, he calls her up and, and in verse 13 it says that he said to Gehazi, so Gehazi was translating for him and he says, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answers, I live among my own people. In other words, she was saying, I, I have everything that I need. And, and, and so she leaves and, and got, and, uh, so then uh, he, he talks to his servant. He's like, what, what can we do for her? Well, I want to bless her. I, I want to sow back. I want to give her something. What, what can I do for her? And, and so Gehazi says, he says uh, in verse uh, 14b, he says, truly she has no son and her husband is old. And he said, he said, call her. And, and when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, at, at this season next year, you will embrace his son. And so she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman, and then it says, the woman conceived and bore a son at that season next year, as Elisha had said to her. And so uh, verse 18, and this is where we're really going to get into it. It says, when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And, and she said to his servant, like, like any dad would, carry him to his mother. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when you were a kid and, and something happened, or if you have kids and, and your, your, your son gets a boo-boo or something like that, gets an owie or gets hurt or something like that, men, I know my dad did. If I was like, dad, oh, I hurt myself. He's like, go to your mom. Stop it. Go to your mom. Okay. So in over 2,000 years, it hasn't changed. And what does mom do? Mom picks them up and it cuddles and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's what moms do. It's in their nature, right? Dads, it's not. So, um, so, so, so he, he, he goes carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. And she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, please send me one of your servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the men of God and return. He said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it will be well. And then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And we're going to stop there for the text. Doing a little uh, just background work last night on, on the text. It says, it says that. It says that when the child was grown, in verse 18, it says, the day, came, the, the day came that he went out to his father to the reapers. And so what the text tells us is that it was harvest time. The, the, the text tells us that, that during this time, during this season is when we're supposed to be reaping our harvest. It's supposed to be time where everything that we've sowed is supposed to be coming towards us. Where, where everything that we've deposited, it's time for it to come back to us. Where, where, where we're supposed to be receiving the harvest for everything that, that we have worked for. Like We work for this. We put our sweat into this. We've, we've put our tears into this. And, and so now it's time for a harvest it's time for us to reap everything that God has promised us I'm I'm ready is anybody ready for the promise of the Lord to be released into your life are you ready to reap the harvest of the promise of the Lord and then it says this that the kid got sick and 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 then he went to his mother and he and he sat on her lap until noon now what does noontime tell us noon tells us that the sun was at its highest point in other words, 
it was the brightest part of the day. So, so it's the time of harvest. It, it's the time of reaping. It's the time of receiving. It's supposed to be the time of celebrating. It's supposed to be the time of, uh, of getting everything. It's supposed to be the time of your promotion. It, it's supposed to be the time where your family is restored. It's, it's supposed to be the time, the, 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 the time where you move into the nice house and, and the people come into the church. And it's supposed to be that time. But yet, at the brightest time of the day, it became the mother's darkest hour. The time when, when you're supposed to be rejoicing is now the time that you're mourning. The time of the day where it's supposed to be, God, I'm ready. God, you're opening the heavens over my life, over my family, over my finances, over my ministry, over everything. God, this is what your truth says. This is what your promise says, God. This is what your word says, God. This is what truth is, God. But it now became our darkest hour. It became the moment of our greatest affliction. It became the time where the greatest pain that we could have ever experienced, that we could have ever encountered, that we could have ever had comes at this one moment. The time when Metro Praise was supposed to explode because of the promises that God spoke over its life. The prophetic words that that. That P. Joe has activated the truth from scripture that P. Joe lives off of. That if we disciple people, it'll be like the book of Acts and, and where we'll be added to our numbers daily. And then there's a shift that takes place and we begin to multiply. I don't know if you've ever caught that in the book of Acts. It says they were added to, added to, added to, and then it multiplied. So in the time when we're supposed to multiply, in the facility in which it looks like we're supposed to multiply, in the, in the brightest time, God, in which your truth talks about, God, in, in everything that I've held on to, God, it... it I'm losing it all. Got to switch the name. Got to make all these changes. And everything, God, that I thought I was getting ready to, to grab a hold of, it's beginning to slip through my hand like sand when you pull it up from the beach and it just slowly but surely trickles out until there's nothing left and it was all based on truth it was all based on your word <laughs> bible college did not prepare me for this god bible college did not tell me this was going to happen god bible college god, I, I learned this god your word says this god and yet you've taken it away but that does not stop the woman the woman goes to her husband and says, nope, no, no, no. She goes to her husband and she says, I need me a servant. I need me a donkey. I need to go see the man of God. And, and so, come on, women. Anybody says that women can't preach, man, women can hold on to a promise. Okay. And, and so, and so. Some of you got a promise of a man that you're holding on to, and we won't even go into that. You're like, Lord, I just claim him in the name of Jesus, right? And you ain't letting that brother go, okay? It don't matter if he's talking to another girl, three other girls. Uh-uh, God, you promised me that man. <laughs> so, well, for what it's worth, right? 
so she goes to him and he goes, wait, wait. He goes, he's just working in the field, just collecting his harvest. Like, yeah, God, woo, look at all the harvest, right? And she, he's like, what do you want to go see him for? It's not the time for you to go see him. And she says, just give me what I asked you for, okay? Shows you who really wears the pants. Amen, Nancy, Pastor Nancy. And that's it. And that's it, okay? I seen that video on YouTube, too. I shouldn't have admitted that on public television, but okay, just the anointing just went, okay? So, so... Joe, don't even hold me to that, bro. I see you asking. It's under the blood. I didn't know, okay? Someone sent it to me. So, but it was hilarious, okay? So, then, uh, so she goes to the man of God, and, and she's like, and so she goes, and, 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 and she goes, and, and, and Gehazi sends out Gehazi, and he goes, he goes, he sees her in the distance, and he goes, Gehazi, he goes, Gehazi, go, Go see what it is that she wants. Go check if everything's okay. And Gehazi goes over there like a faithful servant. And, and, and I love this because this is something that we have to understand in Scripture. See, a lot of us want to immediately activate the call of God on our life. Some of us immediately just want to step into everything that God has called us to. But until you serve someone else's vision faithfully, God will never activate the calling that he has on your life in its fullness because the man of God of the house holds an inheritance as the father of the house because Proverbs says a father stores up an inheritance for his children and and so by serving Pastor Joe what you do is and Pastor Nancy is you, you unlock your inheritance a, a part of your inheritance so so you'll never be able to fulfill everything that God has called you to do because they hold a part of your inheritance. So although you may continue to do great things for God, you're always going to be lacking something because Pastor Joe has an inheritance as a father that he needs to release to you as a son and a daughter in the kingdom. And so, so we have to serve faithfully. And I, and I love the story of Elijah and Elisha because in, in, uh, in, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, it talks, about, uh, it talks about Elijah when he receives the mantle, he parts water. Everybody knows the story, and if you don't, you could read it. Okay, but I don't want to go too far into it. I just want to hit on a little nugget. He, he takes the mantle, and, and he strikes the water, and the water, it separates, right? And, and he walks across on, on dry ground. But then we go to 2 Kings chapter 3, and, and, and they're in the middle of war, and they need a prophet of God. And, and he says, and, and the king says, is there not a prophet among us? Is there not a prophet of the land among us? And, and, and uh, one of the, the servants says, you know what? Elisha's, Elisha's here. He's the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah now it didn't say here's Elijah the one who parted water here's Elijah the one who did this here's Elijah and here's a list of his ministry accolades he went to Fuller Theological Seminary or the house of the prophets and and, and he you know he parted water and and he healed the stew and and he did all these things all it simply said about him was that was that he poured water on the hands of Elijah because he, he, here's a word of God and if you're into Twitter you could tweet this here's a little Twitter point for you hashtag it metro praise do whatever you need to do you listen to this get this you have to pour water before you can part water You, you didn't get that. See, see, a lot of us want to part water, but we're not willing to pour water. See, we got to pour water on the hands of the man of God. We got to, at 3 o'clock when it's time to move the church, we got to, we got to, you know what I'm saying, use our gas and not ask for reimbursement. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we got to, we got to, you know, we got to do some things. You know, we might even have to scratch a little paint on the car, but, but we got to pour water on his hands before we can part water. Because what you don't realize is that you're serving into your inheritance. But that's, I, I, I. Okay, I got like three amens in here. We're, 
It's better than this morning. Wow. Okay. So, so, so Gehazi, all that to say that Gehazi is faithful and he goes out. Now, we later know that Gehazi is no longer, uh, or Gehazi, I think, messes up or something like that. But it's irrelevant. I don't know. So what happens is uh, Gehazi goes out and he, and, and, and he listens to the man of God. So he goes out to the woman and, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, is everything okay? And she's like, yep, everything's cool. I'm going to see the man of God. So she's just, you know, strolling. She's got her swag walk on. You know what I'm saying? She's just like, bam, bam. And then she, she goes to him. And, and, and it says that she threw, she threw herself at his feet. And so she threw herself at his feet. And, and, uh, and, and, and Gehazi gets ready to move her. And Elijah says, no. It says that she's in bitter distress. And the Lord has concealed it from me. And, and she, says, she says, man of God, did, did, did I ask you for a son? Did I, did I ask you for this? Did God, did I, did I ask you to activate this promise on my life? God, did, did I ask for that prophetic word? Did, did I ask for this, God? No, I didn't ask for this. But, but you gave it to me, and now it, now it hurts me. Now, now it's killing me. Now, now, now the, 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 the pain is, is, is unbearable. And she's, she's wondering where the truth is in the message that he gave her. And, and, and how her circumstances are, are dictating otherwise the promise that, that the word gave. But, but she knew that she had to hold on to the word. And so, so I love this next part because, because Elijah goes, Gehazi, take my staff and, and take it over to the kid and just lay it on his face. Right. And, and here's a little secret that I probably shouldn't tell you about pastors. But sometimes when we don't know what to do, we make something up until we like find out what to do. So we act like we got it together. So he was just like, hey, Gehazi, here's the staff. Go throw it on his face while I figure the rest of this out. Okay. Uh, so Gehazi goes and, and he throws it and, and he comes back and he goes, hey, boss, come here. I got a secret. It didn't work. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm on my way. I think I got it now. So anyways, he goes over and I'm about to tie this all in right now. Okay. He goes over. And it says that he goes up to the room and he shuts the door. Okay. And when he goes in and he shuts the door, it says that he lays on top of him. Now, I wouldn't recommend this in today's society because you'd have a lawsuit on your hands. Okay. It says he, he was mouth to mouth, nose to nose, eyes to eyes. Like, you know, you read that and you're like, mm. <laughs> if I was to do that today, I'd be in jail. I'd be on America's predator. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would just not be good. Okay. And so, so he does that, and, and it says that, that he prays five times, right? And then it says, and he lays on top, and it says he lays on top, and the body got warm. And so he gets up, and he's like, snap, it's starting to work. Praise God, I didn't even know what was going to happen. So, so, so he lays down on him, and, and it begins, and so he gets up, and it says that he prays five times. And on the fifth time, the kid sneezes seven times. Now, now allow me, if you will, to just... To just, to just share this, because as I was studying yesterday, I, I came across something. I was up to like 5 o'clock in the morning putting this together, because Pastor Joe said the, Lord, the word has a new Lord. That, uh, the Lord said that he has a new word that he wants to release in the house, so he commissioned me to release a new word. So praise God, I was up till 5, and then I like <laughs> drank Starbucks with like extra shots, and so right now I'm like, woo! But in a minute, I'm going to be like, ah! So, <laughs> and... Uh, and, uh, and this is what the Lord showed me. In the Old Testament, check this out. In the Old Testament, I, was, I actually, Pedro, I'm, I'm, 
I'm excited that you commissioned me because, like, this is some good stuff right here, okay? And so if I do say so myself, you know, and, uh, and so it, check this out. This is, this is powerful. In the Old Testament, for those of you who think this was like a big comedic show, I'll give you like some, some depth biblical studies now, right, okay? In the Old Testament, there are seven supernatural births, okay? I have never seen this typology before in scripture. I don't even think it's been written about. So I might be onto something good here. Okay. And so there are seven supernatural births. And this kid is the seventh one. And as we know, the, the number seven in the Bible, it, it's a number uh, of perfection. It's the, it's the number of completion and and there's no more supernatural births after this kid here this is the last one that's written about and just to give it to you the seven of them are sarah abraham's wife rebecca leah rachel samson's mom who's not named hannah who's samuel's mom and then the shunammite woman okay and you know what's crazy about this kid here this kid is never named he's always just known as the boy. And so when when uh, when he lays, I'm glad somebody caught it. Somebody got it. Okay. So so when he lays on top and he prays five times, and, and five is the number of grace. So grace, grace is released, and then and then seven times the kid sneezes. Okay. So so we have a kid who's not named, and, and he's the seventh, the, the completed one, and, and he sneezes seven times. And then I said, Okay, well, well, what is sneezing? And and, and check this out. We sneeze to expel the irritants in the breathing system. Now, let's fast forward to Jesus on the cross. Okay. There goes the anointing. Just gone. Jesus came to expel sin from the human race. So the kid sneezes seven times. He's unnamed. He's the seventh kid. And when he sneezes, he came to expel sin. You see, the kid was a prototype of what Jesus was going to do. The kid was, a, what, 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 was, was what came first. The kid was a representation of truth in a promise that does not die. Okay, because the kid came back to life. And it just shows you that when you know truth, when you know the word, when you know how to look at situations and you don't let your circumstances dictate your your faith and what God promised you you can stand on truth and you can and you can believe God and every dead promise in your life is going to come back to life so we'll close with this we embarked on this study of truth to begin these new small groups, these, these small groups that are going to take us on a, on a 12-week lesson, a 12-week journey of what truth is. So that when you begin to look at the circumstances 
of your life, when you begin to look at the promises that God has given you, when you begin to look at truth, when you begin to study your word and God begins to speak to you through the word, when God begins to speak to you through the man of God, when you when you get a word from the Lord and your circumstances don't look the, the government, everything that's going on in the government doesn't line up with what the word says. Everything that's going on with the economics of our nation doesn't line up with what the word of God is. Everything that the community is saying doesn't line up with what the word of God is. Even in the midst of all of that, you can hold on to what you know is truth. Because just like the Shunammite woman, she grabbed a hold of the word. She grabbed a hold of the one who delivered the word. And she didn't let it go. And what we need and what Pastor Joe and Pastor Nancy are so passionate about is discipling you based upon the word. It teaches you to hold on to the word even when your circumstances and the world says you should let go of the word. Even when everything else around you is dictating that that's not supposed to come to pass, that that's not going to happen. The economy is bad. The 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 uh, the. Divorce rate is through the roof. The unemployment rate is through the roof. You're not going to get a job. The word says that you're going to be blessed and provided for. So you need to hold on to God's economy and not the world's economy. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't be seeing things through with, 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 with earth's eyes. You got to start looking at things with heaven's eyes. So, so, so we, we're going to begin this journey and we're going to go through 12 weeks and we're going to go through veritology and philosophy and ethics and, and anthropology and, and, and who is man. I mean, you, you got you to you gotta love this because today, today the world is saying that, 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 that you can be born gay. Today, today it amazes me how if we were to find a single cell organism on Mars, we would quarantine the whole place. We would celebrate and be like there's life on Mars. But yet we could kill a fetus in a mother's womb. Who is man? Who is man? What is man to God? Who is God to man? History. I mean, you got people that say things like Jesus was just a man. That's, I mean, they teach things, you know, Jesus is a historical figure, especially when you start going into like the collegiate level. Jesus is just like a historical figure, just like this cool, smart Jew who used to like run around and kind of change the world. But that's about all he ever did. You know, and how do you balance that? How do you balance with what the word is teaching you with what the with the word is teaching you the world versus the word, the world versus the word. And you have all these things that are conflicting with one another. You know, I, I think labor is a great one. Because uh, we have such an entitlement mentality today in the world that, that we're so like, is this too raw? You know what I'm saying? That, that, that we, we just want to depend on the government. You know what I'm saying? I understand that if you get, on, you get laid off or something like that, like there's grace and you need to collect an unemployment check. I understand that. But once you just like sit down and you stop looking for work and you, and you don't want to look for work and like, you know, my taxes are going to pay for your flat screen TV. I think I have a problem with that. <laughs> I work really hard for my money. Okay, I don't sleep a lot, hence like two and a half hours tonight, you know, this morning, you know what I'm saying? So that you could like chill and have a flat screen that I don't even have, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I have a little bit of a problem with that, but I understand people get unemployed, people get laid off and, and you struggle, you got a family, you got to do what you got to do. Like, don't get me wrong. You, you got to understand that there, of course there's grace in that area. Like, I'm not saying that if you collect unemployment or you collect welfare or anything like that, you're a sinner or a heathen or anything like that, but it's when you have this entitlement mentality over the government. What was man created to do? The first thing that God commissioned him to do was to work. Come on. 
man is supposed to work. Men, you're supposed to be a provider. Yeah, come on, women. I got like the whole front row. I'm feeling this right here. I got like me a little amen corner. You know what I'm saying? Men, men, you're supposed to provide. The, The role of the father in the house is to be a provider and a protector. He instills identity into the children. Okay, the woman, the woman is the, the nurturer, the teacher, and the comforter. And we see that in the Godhead, okay? We see Father God, and when he's displayed, he's, he's displayed as a protector and a provider. And when we look at the Spirit, I'm not saying the Spirit is a woman, but the Spirit of God, Jesus says that he's, he's the comforter. He's going to be the one that teaches you. He's going to be the one that nurtures you. And so we have this image of, of what the family role is supposed to be like in the son and what the son's role is, is you know, in, in the kingdom and different things like that. And so women, and so we got to get our, our roles right. So men, we got to work you know what i'm saying we 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 got to get out there and we got to get a job like you know um and so i'm puerto rican i can say this man i got a lot of cousins who are like you know what i'm saying i don't even know where to go with that we'll just leave it there (laughs) you know and uh you know how do we live how do we live how do we live in the world today you know like man man, how do i live the government is saying all these things How, how do i how do I live with what the government is saying? You know, uh, all the laws that the government is passing, which ones do I obey? Which ones am I allowed to break? And speeding, yes, you're breaking the law. You're not allowed to break that one, okay? And so, you know, uh, but, but, you know, if the law ever becomes anti, like it is in, in, in Canada, where in Canada, if you preach against homosexuality or anything like that, like, you'll go to jail. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do we do at that point? Do we just stop preaching at, uh, against homosexuality or, or, or do, we, do we abide by the word of the law? But the law, the word says that we have to obey the law, but the law can never be contrary to the word because then we got to listen to it. So we're going to go on this amazing journey or you're going to go on this amazing journey where you're going to begin to learn all of these things and you're going to be able to hold on to the truth and the promises of God in the midst of your circumstances and situations even when they begin to dictate otherwise. And so I'm encouraging you like the Shunammite woman to, 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 to grab a hold of the word, grab a hold of the promise, grab a hold of everything that God has said and learn how to live that out in the world today. Amen. So we'll pray and then Pastor Joe, you can come up here and do your bam dizzle and all those kind of cool things that you say. The boom shakalaka. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your resources. We thank you that you have put uh, amazing men and women in the world that provide resources and do amazing things. And, and, and you've given us the opportunity to embark on this journey to learn your word in depth, to receive, to change our worldview, to be transformed, and to grab a hold of your word and your promises in the midst of all of our circumstances and situations. So, so Father, we just thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. I just pray that even in the midst of this transition over this house, Lord, that you would protect these people, that you would cover these people, Lord, that you're going to restore it like it never happened, God. And this, these, this teaching and this cell group is, 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 is how we're going to embark on a journey, Lord, that's going to make us grab a hold of your word in, in, in a deeper, uncompromising way. Lord, that we're going to be transformed and be washed by the water of your word, Lord, and we're going to emerge from this as, as deeper, Christians with a greater understanding of who you are father so we just thank you for everything that you're doing in this house and how you're moving it forward and everything that's to come in Jesus name that we pray amen bless the Lord come on amen brother will you grab a seat right there and just relax for a few moments Uh, altar workers would you come and everybody stand please thank you for coming out this morning when we started the service it wasn't this full 
I looked at you and I said, oh, man, I guess they're not showing up today. Felt a little embarrassed. I was like, man, maybe uh, they didn't come to respond to the word. But those of you who came today, thank you for hearing this word. I wasn't the first one to preach in this building, and I wasn't the last. I believe it's symbolic of God saying, I don't build the house, he does. Amen. What we went through as a church, for those of you who are trying to understand maybe what he's saying is, we came here two years ago to take on a lease and a building that over time in the recession we couldn't afford. And when we say we, it's you, it's a congregation. And when the landlords came to a place where they began to not understand because for the last year we said we'll do anything to help you through this as they're telling us they're in a $2 million lease themselves and they're going to go bankrupt, we said, uh, we'll help you put it back up for lease. Rachel's mom is a real estate agent. We'll, we'll, we'll put it back up. And they said, but you have to guarantee us the same amount of money. And I said, that's going to be the problem. I said, because the recession, everything has crashed. And those of you here, you know what I'm talking about. In the last two years, how have you done financially? Most of you are 20 30% less, uh, less these last two years. Just even in the recession, it seemed like in Chicago, it got harder for us. It's just now starting to pick up in May with the holidays. Who knows? And then um, I came to the congregation. And for the whole year, literally from September to September, because that's when we started our lease here, did fundraiser after fundraiser. I mean, after a while, I thought I was going to start having to lay hands on cloths and start handing them out as holy cloths and anointed water. I mean, I just, I did not know what else to do. And you as a congregation, we were transparent with you. Can I just hear an amen from somebody that knows what I'm talking about? Amen. We were transparent with you. It was just, we, you know, I was showing you every month, every, the first of every month, we always show our finances and where we're at. And it was, there is no way we can keep this going. I went back and I did the numbers because I wanted to figure out you know, my, my uh, advisor came and set some budgets in, in for us, and I wanted to figure out what would it have cost to be here and pay it, because it was 8000 a month for rent. We would have been needing to bring in $45,000 a month because a healthy place for any business or church, and those of you who own businesses or work in this area, you know, it's around 30 to 35% of your total income. That's what should be going to your mortgage. That's good for homes. And uh, the rest of it needs to go to staff and to materials and so forth. And we were bringing in maybe around fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars. And you're talking so half of it, sixty percent of it going to rent. We, my wife and I, were not getting paid. We couldn't help the youth pastor. Uh, you know, just van repairs were not being done. I mean, you know, we did everything to make it meticulous on the inside. How many know we keep a clean church? Can you hear Amen? We keep a clean church. We did everything right. You know, and so then towards the end with the landlord, it just got mocking towards us. It was like, well, you're Christians. You have a God. You know, basically, just this whole thing we, you were talking about today. It's like, you make it happen. You make it happen. And I'm like, this is the truth. Well, what is the truth? And I'm like, Jesus, man, it's not a building. I don't know what to tell you. I said, you can come. I even told him, I said, you can come here on a Sunday and tell the congregation another time how much more we should give. And therefore, I found out looking back over this deal, 45000 what we'd had to bring in a month. Do you know how many people that would have needed to be in this building? Almost 500 people. We never would have had it happen. What was God teaching us two years ago? Well, where were you spiritually two years ago? Were you even a part of our church two years ago? Two years ago, our church was five years old. It took me three years to even get 25 people coming. It started in our house, guys. Come on. It took me three years to even get 50. Some of you remember those times. 
At five years old, we were just capping around 75, and we felt like a mega church. Are you all listening to me? I had no advisors. I had no pastors that I was in relationship with. I didn't have businessmen in the church, all these things that we do now. And I signed a lease based on, well, I guess that's the best thing. And how many know your pastor doesn't work 9 to 5 like Donald Trump? I'm a pastor, right? And so I don't blame the church at that time, the 75 of you all. that I don't blame you. Don't blame me. It was just a mistake. But God used it for his glory, and I appreciate that word that says he's going to patch it up and make it right. It's not that we stole it. It's not that we were dishonest. Uh, For the last year, we did everything we could. We presented it to the landlord. We we said, we'll put it up for for lease. Uh, We'll we'll get out in three months and let you release it to the point where at the end, I talked to a lawyer, Christian lawyer, talked to uh, pastors that have been in my life, Brother Anthony, who was uh, the president of the Bible college, and he went there as, as well as me. And eventually they just said, Joe, you have to walk away from this lease. You have no choice. Some of your friends have had to do that. Some of you have had to do that in, in mortgages and businesses. I have held men, grown men in my arms, bawling their eyes out as they're telling me I'm filing for bankruptcy in my business of uh, what I've done for 25 years. You guys can relate to this. Either you know somebody you've gone through. And so, and then he said, you have to shut down the, the church that you've been under because if these guys are in that mentality, for the next 10 years, whatever happens in the growth of Metro Praise, they can come back and file a lawsuit. So if Metro Praise continues to grow and continues to grow, and they now see you moving forward, they can come back and do this. And so the laws protect you, and they allow you to shut down your business and restart. And that's what he was speaking of. And so if I can use my life as an example, I want to now say to you, what are you going through? Can you imagine that? Man, I'm holding on to Jesus, the church, and everything. And let me just give you a couple stats for those of you who may not know this. We have almost tripled in attendance. Does it look empty in here this morning? (laughs) We have almost tripled in finances. We have almost tripled in disciples, the nations, Bible college. It was a lease that we could not work with. And what did it test me on? Well, I believe God to do things when everything falls apart around me. And I want to thank you as a church for understanding the difference between a guy pulling in here in a Rolls Royce. I drive a car that my grandpa gave me when he passed away. That's why if you want to know where that mercury came from, it ain't a gangbanger car, it's my grandpa's car. You know, he passed away. It's like, boop, 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 boop. You should be with me when I'm hitting speed bumps, you know what I'm saying, like in the neighborhoods. You know, it's just me rolling, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's where it came. It came from my grandpa. And I don't know how many times I've tried to sell the thing. And they're like, Pastor, don't sell because I'm going to pay bills with it. I want to thank you for believing in us, hearing from the leadership. Uh, Brother Rick, if you raise your hand, he's the financial committee leader. You can ask him. We have it on the blog. We put it on a I mean, who does this, right? Our church put up the blog on what we're doing for everybody to see. We have no shame in the game. People on Formspring can ask me questions anonymously. People have said silly things, you know, oh, you're a failure. Maybe you didn't hear from God. We can take it. We're not running from stuff like that. And so as a church, thank you for believing in us as we have believed in you. When you lost a home and we didn't say, well, shame on you. You can't be a good Christian anymore. Where was your faith? When I held somebody's arm, when I'm holding this brother up here in the front, I don't know why, if he was here today, I would mention his name, but he's out preaching somewhere for us. Uh, but he's testified of it here. He was losing his house, man, balling, man. Just God had to heal his heart. Because, he, I mean, a man, you know, losing your house, you feel like you're not a man anymore. 
Well, we didn't come up to him and kick him while he's down and say, well, you should have known God, you know, was going to tell you. He's punishing you. You know, where's the hidden sin in your life? Why do we always think that something wrong means we've sinned, you know? Well, what, what did Jesus do to be crucified? He didn't sin. They crucified him. What did this woman do? And what you were speaking into my heart, and we're going to close out here, is what you were speaking into my heart is that I never asked to come to Chicago. I never asked to plant a church here. Guys, I'm from the cornfields of Indiana. Y'all ever been to Fort Wayne? Don't think so. I'm in Chicago. How did I get here? It's weird. You know what I'm saying? Look across all the nationalities here. How did this gringo, this white boy, convince you to come? You know what I'm talking It had to be God. It, ha it had to be. We started in my house. You're a failure because you lost a building. Listen, I started in my house with two people. This is who came here the last day of this building. I don't know about you and how you do math, but I think Jesus is moving forward. Amen? And we're not making excuses. We set a budget and did things moving forward. And so that's my struggle for truth today. These altar workers want to pray with you, walk you through your struggle. Maybe you married and the spouse changed and you've gone through a divorce and people judge you. And you're just like, I just want to get on with my life. I know it's not going to be the same, but I know God still has a plan. Or maybe you've lost that job and you're repositioning. I've talked to so many people. They're getting into different careers and you're just nervous and scared. Who will hire you? Ask God today to give you that confidence. Maybe you're just here today and you need to know Jesus and you didn't respond to my wife's preaching. You want to respond now because God will transform and change your life if you'll let him. I'm going to ask, though, that, uh, Berto, you would just put two offering buckets up here. He came on his own expenses. The Truth Project said he was basically done yesterday, but I asked him to stay over and preach. They just cover him to do the training. We want to cover what he did today. Uh, Monique, will you guys just move down a little bit? Because if some have to go, would you just drop it here today? Or if you give online, uh, just say, it was, you know, make it, out to Pastor, uh, make it out to Metro Praise. But in your memo, just put Pastor Chris. We're going to sow seed into you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Oh, come on, somebody. Would you just thank him right now? I'm going to ask you to do something crazy before you go. I'm going to ask you to thank him for the struggle. <laughs> come on, just thank him for the struggle. If anybody can relate to what I'm going through right now, just thank him for it because there's something on the other side that you cannot see. And if you wouldn't be going through what you're going through right now, you would never get there. So, Lord, we thank you for the struggle. We thank you, God, for situations that you preordain that, that show the weakness of our own heart, God. So we trust in you and you bring us to places we never would have gone otherwise. We don't glorify evil. We don't glorify bad. But, God, we glorify you doing good through the midst of the evil. We believe that all things work together for your good. You are truth. And people may try to kill it. People may try to discourage it. But, God, it will resurrect. It will come back to life. Your truth will prevail. Truth over this congregation. Truth for 100,000 disciples. 500 churches. Truth for marriage truth for family truth for finances God you said it I believe it that settles it though man may say a different word let all men be liars and you be true 
We surrender, God. We surrender, God, to your will. Now just say, God, it's your way, not my way. Your will, not my will. Come on, just a few moments. A few moments right now before you leave. Apply that word to your heart. Oh, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I will not turn my back on you in the midst of what I face today. I will press forward, God. By your strength, my children will serve the Lord. By your strength, my children will serve the Lord. By your strength, my life will change. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I ask you now as we prepare to leave this place but never your presence that as we go to our home as we go to a different building oh God that we would stand on your truth and we would think of those in our lives we can bring with us to these lessons so that they can be grounded in truth with us because when the storms and wind come the only house that stands is the house built upon your word bless your people today God bless those that sow seed into Pastor Chris's life whatever the amount is whatever they give out of a love offering let it just be a sweet aroma to you God and and let it be a blessing for my brother today we thank you for him and God bring us back again to do it all over for your glory at that campus in that community in Jesus name can everybody say amen amen let's bless him praise God if you need prayer for anything, prayer workers are here. If you want to sow seed into his life, it's here. Make it to Metro Praise. And if you like it, he's going to preach something like this tonight at our Wicker Park campus at Ashland at 5 o'clock. Come on out. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups. Oh